It was a very bright, shining light, Sarajevo, and they needed to kill that light. From producers Matt Damon and Ben Affleck, explore how art and music sustained hope during the siege of Sarajevo, thanks in part to humanitarians and the band U2. U2, they represent a personification of our resistance. The Hollywood Reporter hails Kiss the Future, moving and inspirational. Kiss the Future! Viva Sarajevo! Kiss the Future, new documentary now streaming exclusively on Paramount+. Plus. Go to Paramount Plus to try it free. Terms apply. Hello, Ohio State fans, and welcome to another episode of the Bucknuts Happy Hour. I'm Patrick Murphy from Bucknuts and 247 Sports, here to talk some Buckeyes as they head out of the open week and into what's going to be an eight-game run at the end of the season, beginning with Maryland on Saturday afternoon at Ohio Stadium, the homecoming game. Not that that seems to mean as much as it once did, but... It's still a homecoming game. It's labeled as such. They'll have uh, festivities. I think the Greek life gets involved around campus with stuff like that. Um, Doesn't change much for the football team. It's another game after uh, not playing last week. Today on the show, we're going to dive into Maryland a little bit. We'll be joined shortly by Jeff Ernman from our uh, Inside Maryland Sports, or Inside MD Sports, excuse me, of the 24-7 Sports Network. He will talk about uh, what's been going on with the Terrapins. This is the first time that these two teams will have ever met undefeated. Not a not a huge sample size. Uh, once we're done talking with Jeff, we're going to dive into the Buckeyes a bit more. A look at um, how this team has to come out of this open week, where there's still room for improvement. What is you know what's to come really? Because this is going to be, as I said just a second ago an eight game uh, push to the end of the season where, you know, you're going to be faced with some tough tests. Uh, You know, not only do you have to play Penn state coming down the pipeline here in a few weeks, you have to go to Michigan at the end of the season, but there's this Maryland game coming up on Saturday, which, which isn't a shoe in win for the Buckeyes, even though the spread is, I think up to 20 points. Um, The, Trip to Wisconsin down the road, certainly going to be difficult. Um, you know, at, at the very least, the, uh, you know, the Luke Fickle-led Badgers haven't been perfect, but I certainly imagine when the Buckeyes come to town, Luke Fickle will have his team ready to play uh, against Ohio State. Uh, while we're waiting for Jeff to hop on here, I want to take a look at Maryland because I think people hear Maryland, people that I, I think I assume most of you follow this pretty closely, but this isn't the Maryland teams of the past where Ohio State was winning by, you know, 40, 45 points, um, especially offensively. Maryland, the top ranked offense in the Big Ten, when you look at yards per game, 454.8 yards per game um, for the uh, This Terps team scoring offense, number two in the conference, behind only Penn State, 38.6, obviously ahead of Ohio State in both of those categories. So, look, I think we're in for an interesting game. This will certainly be the toughest test 
Ohio State has faced defensively. Uh, obviously, the the game at Notre Dame presented its challenges, but the the offense that Maryland has, the weapons Maryland has, are probably at least in the passing attack, which is where Maryland does most of its damage. They uh, lead the Big Ten, pulling up the stats here, um, or second in the Big Ten, just behind Ohio State by 1.1 yards per game in uh, in passing. So. Certainly something that's going to test this secondary. I forgot to introduce my beer here. Um, it is the happy hour after all. We, I, I disappointingly looked in the refrigerator and realized I'm pretty low on beer, which either means I've done a bad job of restocking or I have been going out to happy hours too much. So today, one of the few things I had left, I'm not sure how long this has been in my fridge. It is a 1050 by Oscar Blues Imperial Stout. Not usually what I drink, but we're going to uh, we'll we'll get through this one. We may drink it slower than the uh, the regular beers. Usually we try and keep it light. It's middle of the day on a Thursday when we're recording this, but uh, I do like Oscar Blues. Uh, that's not bad. That's not bad. Not one I'm going to slam though. Anyway, back to the Buckeyes and the Terps. Um, I certainly think this, as I was saying, this will be a interesting matchup for this. Ohio State pass defense, which has been very good so far this season. Um, not many teams in the country have made the improvement that Ohio State has as a pass defense. Ranked number fifth nationally, allowing just 149 yards per game. Um, held Sam Hartman to, uh, I believe it was 145 yards pass, 175 yards passing, excuse me. Um, held Austin Reed, the quarterback for uh, Western Kentucky, who many project as an NFL guy, once he heads to the pros, had held him to just over 202 yards. Both of those were the season low for those quarterbacks. So um, they they have done work in the secondary and, and this past defense overall, but going to be tested significantly here. Talia Tagovailoa, the younger brother of Tua Tagovailoa, uh, the, the former Alabama quarterback who now plays the Miami Dolphins. He's already thrown for 1,464 yards, 13 touchdowns, just three interceptions. Interceptions were a bit of an issue for him earlier in his career. He's got two, three, four, five, six receivers with at least 12 catch, at least 11 catches, excuse me, all over 100 yards receiving. Um, all six have caught uh, touchdown, pass, touchdown passes. So a plethora of rep weapons to spread the ball around to not quite the rushing game uh, to, to add that, but certainly a offense that will, will challenge the Buckeyes. No doubt about that. Let's uh, let's get into Maryland a little bit more with somebody who will know about it. Jeff, what's going on, my man? Nope. We've got audio issues there. Can't hear you, Jeff. See if you can get that uh, figured out there. This is the, the errors of doing the shows live, right? Um, anyway, as I was saying, while Jeff figures out what's going on audio-wise, just a plethora of weapons for, for this Maryland attack. And Ohio State's secondary going to be tested like it hasn't. Denzel Burks played really well. Davison Igbenosin has played really well. Um, the group as a whole, the safety group. So we're going to get to see. I think coming out of this, we'll know a lot more. I feel like we've learned a little bit more about this Ohio State defense 
throughout the first four weeks. And, and this will be another test for them um, going forward here. If you can hold this, this Maryland attack, I think that'll, that'll speak volumes. Cause I do think this passing attacks legitimate Jeff, we got you there. Oh, still, still nothing coming through sound wise. Um, we'll get this figured out with Jeff here in a minute. Um, going back to what Mar or excuse me, what Ohio state's facing here. Look, you have essentially found a lockdown corner in Denzel Burke, um, a guy who, again, will be tested. This will be the biggest test of the season for him. But against Notre Dame, a guy who was only targeted one time, he did give up a catch, but it was only for seven yards. And then they, the Irish did not go back that way and certainly changed how much of the field you can attack if Denzel Burke can do that again on Saturday. You then have Davis and Igbenosin on the other side. He's played really well, uh, more physical, which has led to some penalties. They've played him a bit more off coverage at times, I think because of that physicality. So I think it will be interesting to see how they do this against Maryland's uh, corner or Maryland's wide receivers. Excuse me. I do think it'll be a Jordan Hancock game because I imagine Maryland will come out with uh, with multiple receivers. That doesn't mean Sonny Styles won't still play a role. I, it's been interesting to watch how Ohio State has used these two. The, the thought coming into the season was Sonny Styles could play you know, basically anywhere on this defense and, and could do a lot of different things for you. He has been able to do that, but maybe it hasn't come the way that, that Buckeye fans have expected. And some of that has to do with the emergence of Jordan Hancock, who I think has been very good in that nickel slot corner position, whatever you want to call it there. Um, he has, you know, he's a guy who we've heard a lot about and we're finally getting to see it. And those two have rotated a good amount against teams that have been more pass heavy, more three wide receiver sets. He's been out on the field more. Jordan Hancock has. And Sonny Styles has kind of been the, the you know, defend the run guy in the box a bit more. So, look, I think they're going to need both of them on Saturday against Maryland. But it wouldn't surprise me if this is another bigger Jordan Hancock game when you look at the, the final snap counts. Um, Obviously, the pass rush is going to be a thing that, that we continue to talk about until Ohio State figures out a way to get home. And, and I want to talk about that more later on a general sense. But against Maryland, it's going to be interesting. We were talking to uh, some of the Ohio State defensive linemen this week. Tyleek Williams, he said, you know, it's basically with, with a guy like Tiger Vailoa, you're trying to keep him in the pocket, um, not let him have lanes to move around. He doesn't run a ton, um, but he is very capable as a runner and you don't want him to get out and kind of get things going or, or get out of the pocket and be able to throw for his career. Just 251 rushing yards does have 11 touchdowns scored one against the Buckeyes last year, if I remember correctly. Um, so a guy that you do have to, you know, he's not a Sam Hartman, right. Who is, is going to sit in the pocket and, I mean, Sam Hartman can move, but it was more concerning about what he can do with his arm. And, and that's true about Tagovailoa. He, he's just capable of, of getting out and making plays. And that's going to be important for this Buckeye defensive line. And they need to make put him under pressure. No doubt about that. They haven't done that. They've gotten pressure, but they haven't done gotten the results of that pressure, maybe at the level that they expected coming in, given what this defensive line has. So I think it's going to be crucial for that group to not only, you know, make Tagvailoa feel uncomfortable at times, but 
get to him, hit the quarterback. I, I know that the coaches, Jim Knowles has brought this up this week. Sacks maybe aren't the um, end all be all, you know, deciding factor when it comes to successful defenses, but you certainly have to get to the quarterback. Um, you know, the way that you really cause issues for a quarterback is, is, is by making contact with them. They don't want to be hit, especially down around, around their legs. Um, if, if you can get the sack, that's great, but, but that pressure and, and making them feel uncomfortable is going to be very important, not just in this game, but going forward here. Um, again, looking at, I mentioned some of the receivers that, uh, that Maryland brings into this game. Deshaun Johnson leads the team 319 yards. He's got two touchdowns, both Ty Felton and Caden Prather's Prather, excuse me, uh, have three touchdowns apiece, both over 250 yards. So they're going to use a number of guys. I mean, you compare that to what Ohio State has done this season um, with their receiving core. Obviously, what we consider one of the, the best and deepest receiving cores in the country. Ohio State only has three guys with over 200 receiving yards and only four with over 10 receptions this season. Uh, you know, Maryland has worked deeper through their receiving tree. And now that includes, you know, a tight end. Um, they do have a running back with 12 catches in uh, Roman Hemby. So, you know, they're spreading it out a bit more than Ohio State is, and it's been effective. Now, I think you can look at Maryland's schedule and, and ask, you know, what defenses have they played and things like that. I saw some of that being brought up in, in our live chat here. But, um, you know, I, I, I have to push back on that a little bit. Maryland, you know, at this point in the season, Maryland's played three power five teams. They've beaten all three, including two big 10 teams. Now it was Michigan state who has struggled certainly with, with what's going on up there and, and Indiana as well, who Ohio state fans saw earlier this year. But I do think that, you know, it's not like they've just played this cupcake schedule thus far. It hasn't been the Michigan schedule. So, all right, we're gonna try and bring Jeff back in here, see if the audio is working out. Jeff, can we hear you? How are we doing, Patrick? There it is. We got all it. Right. And that right there is I'm a writer and not a TV guy. Yeah, no, I completely understand. I've had my fair share of audio, video issues <laughs> doing these live podcasts. So no worries. I'm just glad we were able to make it work. How are things going, man? Busy, as I'm sure you know. It's yeah. like every year, uh, you know, every year you'll get calls from media in this town or that town based on who they're playing. But it's never like Ohio State week, man. My phone is off the hook. All week uh, during Ohio State week just kind of is, is a uh, anecdotal to the you know incredible amount of interest there is in the Buckeyes. Yeah, I I guess I knew this, but it hadn't really popped into my head until somebody brought it up during this week. The first time these two teams are meeting undefeated, and I guess it makes sense, kind of given where Maryland's been and and when they've met in the season. But were were you surprised at all by that statistic? Uh, no, not really. I mean, Maryland, if we're being honest, has really struggled since joining the Big Ten. This is the first, believe it or not, this is the first time they've been 2-0 in the conference since joining in 2014. So that kind of illustrates the uphill battle that they've had. The question I've gotten a lot this week is about Talia Tagovailoa. Like, how good is he really? Um, I know what the numbers are. I, you're a guy who watches him every week. You've watched him improve over the past four seasons. What, what is he as a quarterback? What is his ceiling? 
you know, what, what should Buckeye fans expect out of him? Obviously saw what he was able to do last year at that game in college park, but, but what has he developed into this, uh, you know, what is this year five in college year four at Maryland? Yeah. I mean, he's mostly the same guy. I think he's cut out some of the mistakes in the past. You know, he's got a little bit of a habit of if something goes wrong, letting it snowball mentally, you can see it in his body language. He starts to make some bad decisions. So he hasn't really fallen into one of those funks this year. So his numbers are better. The win-loss record is better. But at the same time, you know, the schedule's been really soft so far. They haven't played – forget about an an Ohio State-level team. They haven't played a team right there. You know, it's been the the teams that they're double-digit favorites against. So while he's been really good so far, you know, he hasn't been tested by by a really, really good team. You you mentioned the schedule. That was something we were talking about. Somebody mentioned it in, in our live chat here. How do you evaluate this team? Obviously, as you mentioned, first time 2-0 in the Big Ten, undefeated. You know, you, you've played three power five teams. I know Virginia hasn't been great, um, but what do you make of what you've seen on the field and kind of how you then, you know, translate that to what Maryland can be this season? You know, like I've told people, Patrick, uh, I can't ever recall a team being basically halfway through its season and really not knowing how good they are, but that's the case this year. Again, you know, they've played Charlotte, Towson, Virginia, uh, Michigan State, Indiana, all these teams that aren't very good or are struggling. So, you know, I know they're good. I know Maryland is good. Probably the best team they've had in a little while. But whether they're, you know, a seven or eight win team or somebody who has a chance to finally knock off one of those big three, Ohio State, Michigan and Penn State and get to nine or ten wins, it's really hard to tell just because of the level of competition so far. Yeah, I can relate to that. Last year with Ohio State, they they beat Maryland week or beat Notre Dame, excuse me, week one, and everyone thought that was a big win. And then Notre Dame loses to Marshall, and Ohio State, you know, doing well but not playing anyone. And it's like, you know, what what do you really make of this team? It's so tough to tell in college football. Uh, the receivers on this team, I was talking about it while you were figuring out uh, the the audio issues. This ball gets spread around quite a bit, not just receivers, tight ends, running backs making catches. What what kind of weapons does uh, Tagovailoa have, and and why have they been so successful spreading the ball out to a number of different guys? Well, that's pretty much how Loxley's offense runs. It's pretty rare that you'll have one guy piling up stats. They really like to spread the ball around. Talia likes to spread it around. Last week you had uh, Ty Felton, a junior who's you know sh- shown his talent and is maybe their fastest player, but hasn't been a star in the past. And he has three touchdowns in the first half against Indiana. Uh, Caden Prather, West Virginia transfer, 6'4 kid, was a four-star recruit from Maryland who got away. They got him on the boomerang uh, in the portal, and he's been their kind of their deep and end zone threat. Uh, Jay Sean Jones is a six-year senior who has more than 200 yards combined the past two weeks. He's playing his, you know, really amazing because he's torn his ACL twice, but he's playing better than I think he ever has. And uh, Corey Deitches, you know, tight end, he's more of a hybrid He's only 215 pounds, uh, so he's kind of a receiver in the tight end position. But uh, as of a week ago, I think he fell off, but he was leading FBS tight ends and receiving yards. They also like to throw it to their running backs. Roman Hemby is a good pass catcher out of the backfield. Uh, So it's really – and then there's several other younger guys who are getting action and making plays. So it's impossible to even point out a number one guy or even a number two guy in their offense. Because of how well this offensive has played 
and, and maybe even add in what, what Maryland was able to do with Ohio State last year. And I, I know obviously that game didn't end up the way they wanted, but I, it was much closer than people expected. Do you get the sense that they're coming into this game more confident than maybe some previous trips to the horseshoe? Yeah, absolutely. They, I think they are. You can, you can kind of sense it. I think a big part of that is not only the 5-0 and start, but also, you know, the program was losing every year, getting blown out regularly by teams like Ohio State. You know, and now you have guys who are your veterans who the past two years have won eight games and seven games. So they have a taste of winning. You know, they've won 15 out of their last or uh, 15 out of the last 20 games, seven in a row dating it back to last season. So you're going to have more confidence because these guys have experienced success, whereas the teams that came out there and just got beat down the past few years didn't have that kind of that that culture instilled in them. So I do think, you know, there is there is more confidence going into this one. You know, obviously they're heavy underdogs for a reason, but I don't think they're going to go in there scared. Were you surprised by the spread? I thought what it started like 19 and a half. It's up to 20. I thought it would be closer than that. Personally. Um, what would you make of it when it came out? Um, no, I, I thought it'd be right around 16 or 17, you know, just realistically, when you look at Maryland's schedule again, Ohio state schedule hasn't exactly been murderers row either, but uh, Maryland has had one of the easiest schedules in the country so far that calculates into the numbers, obviously. And they, sure. You know, they've, the, the average score in the, in the four t- trips they've taken out there, I think, is 63 to 17. So when you look at that, it's actually a small spread. You know, obviously, Maryland's better this year than it was when it took those losses. But, uh, no, I think it's their improvement mode. Even with the 5-0 and start, they have to prove that they can hang with Ohio State on the road. You know, they've been able to do it twice at home, obviously, through a scare to them last year. Mm-hmm. And in 2018, with that overtime, that wild overtime game, I think it was 52 to 51. But they got to show that they can compete with them uh, at Ohio State. Talk to me about this defense. Obviously, statistically, the numbers aren't, you know, you're not ranked. They're not ranked as high as as uh, the Terps are on offense. But But what should Buckeye fans be aware of when Ohio State's on the field with the ball? Well, the defense been, has been really opportunistic. Uh, as of, I think after the last game, I think right now they're ranked uh, tied for Penn State for number one in the country in turnover margin. Mm-hmm. Well, they're turning teams over regularly and not turning it over very much themselves. That's been the biggest thing because it's really a bend or break, bend but don't break defense. Also, I think they're number one in the Big Ten in, in red zone defense. So you combine the turnovers and the red zone defense, those have combined to kind of mask some deficiencies i think you know i think i've seen the, the the defensive front get pushed back a little more than you'd like to see against some lesser teams there's been times where the secondary struggle to maintain coverage you know they're they don't have that much depth at cornerback they have really good experienced safeties but cornerback is you know kind of a weak spot they do have some really good young linebackers uh it'd be interesting to see if jay sean barham goes he missed last week he was Arguably their best defensive player last year is a true freshman. If not their best, then their second best. So, you know, they really need to have him, but there's no word on that yet. So, you know, long story short, the numbers are good, but it's not a dominant defense. And, you know, I think if you're a Maryland fan, you're clearly you're worried about uh, how you hold up up front. I was just going to kind of ask you, so you're going against an Ohio State team that hasn't been as explosive offensively as in previous years, but there's still Marvin Harrison Jr. who – 
Um, you know, coming off that ankle injury seems to be okay, but we'll, we'll find out on Saturday. But the Buggies have a number of, of receivers, a handful of running backs that they've used. What's kind of the perspective on how you slow down this team, do you think, from, from a Maryland perspective? I mean, I think you can't go all out blitzing all game, but I think you have to come after record uh, at least semi-regularly. You got to take some chances. And, you know, you're going to need your, your defensive front to play its best game in, in terms of the corners. I think the reality is they're not going to hold Ohio State to a low number, whether that means they're going to score 35 or 49. I don't know. Ohio State's going to get theirs. Uh, Maryland really needs to keep the turnover uh, momentum going. I think that's huge, as cliche as that is. They, they really need to keep that to kind of um, to balance out some of the, you know, the talent differential in the trenches. And then I would say, you know, it's going to be on the offense, it's going to be on Talia. You know, Ohio State's going to score, but uh, he's going to have to have his best game of the season and, and be accurate and not make the bad decisions to keep them in the game because, you know, I'm not sure that they'll be able to consistently run the ball for four quarters. It's what year five of Mike Loxley now uh, in College Park. What have you made of kind of the progression um, the team has made under him? I, I think you've alluded to it some with with some of the results getting closer. Yeah. But is is this kind of what you expected from his tenure? Has it lived up to to what people hoped? Yeah, I mean it was a big rebuild. You know, when he took over, sure. uh, the team had been losing every year, losing records for quite a while. They just fired DJ Durkin after a player, Jordan McNair, died uh, from a heat stroke he suffered during a workout. And there's obviously a huge controversy following that. So it was really a, a tough job both on and off the field. And so the first few he called year one, year zero, uh, because it was just, you know, wiping the slate clean. And, you know, he's gradually replenished the talent. He's, he's recruiting better talent than uh, they've been getting in a while consistently. Obviously, it's not going to be the Ohio State classes where you're just piling four and five stars on top of each other, but they've recruited really well. And um, and so I think it's been, you know, what you'd hope for, a gradual progression. Every year they've won more games. Last The last two years, you know, is the first time they've won 15 combined in back-to-back -back years in more than a decade. And now if you can take it this year and get to at least nine wins, I think, you know, you can really build on that momentum. As you kind of look at this team season, the 5-0 start, you're coming to Ohio Stadium this week. Obviously, Penn State and Michigan are coming down the pipeline. What's kind of the ceiling for this group in your mind? Where, where if, if things go right, where does this team end up at the end of the season? I don't know if you record-wise, but just like what could this team do by the year's end if, if everything goes its way? I mean, Mike Loxley has talked about how he thinks this is the year to compete for a Big Ten championship, and a lot of people kind of, you know, scoffed at that, but that's what he said. He's stuck with it. Um, so you, if the coach is saying that, you have to kind of go with that as a possibility. That said, obviously, that's, you know, they're a long shot for that. But if you can get to 10 wins even, you know, that would be the first time in about 20 years uh, since Ralph Regan had it really rolling in the early 2000s. He won 10 games three years in a row. So, I mean, 10, 10 wins for Maryland is a, is a magical season, especially, you know, with the challenge of, of playing in the Big Ten and, and still trying to kind of progress past those, you know, Michigan State and into that level, at least just a little behind those big three. So, you know, I don't think anyone's going to be upset with nine wins, but uh, I think, you know, aside from total wins, I would say the biggest thing is beat one of the big three.
you know, the fans will be thrilled if you win nine games, but I don't know if they'll be completely fulfilled unless you can get a win against Ohio State, Michigan, or Penn State. Does Is Maryland one of the teams that may benefit the most from going divisionless, just not having to play those three teams, assuming that the – you know, the the trajectory of these teams continues the way it's been. Do you think that's going to help this team, you know, as they continue to develop? You talked about the recruiting improvements and whatnot. The schedule makes things difficult too, right? Yeah, absolutely. That's huge. I mean, they've been they've been waiting for that for a long time. You know, it, it, it's been spoken about. Not that they're, uh, you know, mailing it in these seasons, just sleepwalking, waiting for that to happen, but they have – you know, I have talked to people over there high high up in the program who talked. They, they knew it was coming eventually, and, and that's huge. I mean, when you're trying to rebuild, it's always hard. But if you're trying to rebuild while playing three programs that are that consistently good and recruit that well, you know, you're pushing a 10,000-pound boulder up a hill. It's, it's, you know, nearly impossible. So now, you know, if they're playing – if you replace uh, Penn State with the Northwestern or Illinois one year – and, you know, or Michigan with someone else from the West, um, you know, all of a sudden, you know, you've got a, that right there is an opportunity for an extra win or two uh, on your schedule. Obviously, the addition of those big, of those Pac-12 teams complicates things because sure. you know, they're pretty good, too. But, uh, yeah, I think it's a it's a big advantage for Maryland to, to get out of the divisions. Since really the the announcements of these teams, you're the first guy I've talked to that covers a team that's, you know, all the way on the East coast. What are Maryland fans perspective on the future of having to travel? You know, if, if they're going to travel and Maryland's going to travel all the way across, I mean, those are some long road trips and we're in Columbus, Ohio. It's, it's a bit more of a trek from college park. What's the perspective there? Yeah, it's a lot. I think it's just a foreign feeling. People don't know what to say. It's just so, it's, it's so unusual. It's so, anti everything we've ever known about college sports you know maryland fans to be honest they don't travel great for football some of that is the results that we've discussed the past you know before this turnaround uh but you know if they get things rolling i I can see people traveling out there but um but yeah it's gonna be interesting also be interesting to see how it affects recruiting you know obviously i think a team like ohio state is probably more positioned to capitalize on that just because of their national brand and start getting some West coast players where I feel like for Maryland, it actually might be a negative because now you'll have Oregon and, and UCLA and these schools coming in to the DMV and kind of establishing their brands. Going back to, to this game specifically, what are a couple keys either side of the ball that you see need to happen for Maryland to, you know, whether win this game or at least keep it close. Like you were mentioning earlier. Yeah, I think turnovers, they, you know, I, I don't see them winning this game unless they force multiple turnovers because, you know, Ohio State just has so much talent and Maryland's defense has been good. But like I said, there's some inexperience in the secondary and, you know, they're still unproven up front. So that's huge. Talia has to be, you know, I'm not going to say flawless, but he's got to be like he was last year against Ohio State and be on his game, not turn the ball over, spread it around all game and, they have to establish at least some semblance of a run game. You know, the offensive line was a huge question coming into the season. They've been better than expected, but it's been largely in pass protection. They've been really good. Run blocking hasn't been as good. They haven't opened up a ton of huge holes. So 
Now, I don't think they're going to consistently pound the ball on Ohio State by any stretch, but they at least need to have some semblance of a consistent running game. Maryland going to play up-tempo a little bit. That's been something Ohio State's faced as teams trying to slow it down. Now, Western Kentucky didn't do that. Notre Dame did it a little bit. Ryan Day is really harped on the lack of possessions, whether it be the, the play clock. Will, will Maryland speed it up a little, or do you think they'll they'll try and keep Ohio State's offense off the field? Yeah, everyone's asking me that question, and Loxley <laughs> hasn't told me for some reason. I don't know why he's being, uh, he's being stingy, stingy with that information. I mean, I – you know, that's his DNA is to go up tempo. Yeah. That's what he likes to do. Um, you know, I wouldn't be stunned if he slows it down a little bit, knowing that it, it helps him to shorten the game up a little bit. But at the same time, you know, that's ingrained in him. So, you know, my guess is they'll still they'll still hurry it up. But, it, you know, obviously from a layman's point of view, you would think that slowing it down might be advantageous. Yeah, it's been interesting, you know, it, Indiana did it. Youngstown State did it to Ohio State. It probably worked to some degree in terms of keeping the score a little closer, but the final outcome didn't ultimately matter. Um, so I, you know, it's interesting to, to kind of hear perspectives on that. All right, Jeff, last question. This is the Bucknuts Happy Hour. We're a beer, big beer podcast. But uh, if you're sitting down having your favorite drink, doesn't have to be alcoholic. If you're not into that, it's up to you. What uh, what's your favorite beverage on a on a nice Nice day, maybe kicking it on the porch. I don't drink a lot these days, Patrick. I'm too tired from doing all this work <laughs> and chasing kids around. But when I do, I'm a, I'm a Crown and Coke guy. I like, okay. I like a nice Crown and Coke. All right, all right, good, good. I, I've been meaning all year to ask guests about that, and I keep forgetting. So you're the first one to get that question, but hopefully not the last. I'll just have to remember next year that I asked you about it so that I don't ask you again. There you go. All right, Jeff, thanks for joining me. I appreciate it. Like you said, I know you're busy, but uh, I do think this provided some good insight on uh, on what Maryland's going to bring to Ohio Stadium on Saturday. Thanks for having me, Patrick. Yep, talk to you soon. All right, that was Jeff Erdman from our Maryland side at 24-7 Sports. They do great work over there. Again, something I repeat every week, but if you're looking for some of the Maryland coverage, what, what kind of has been said about Ohio State, there's – actually been, I won't say chirping, because I don't think that's the right term, but um, I do think based on some of the, the stuff that I've read over on the Maryland side of things on, on that site through our network, I think this team is a bit more confident than I, not that I would have expected, they're an undefeated team, but just based on how results have gone, I think there is some more uh, more confidence in this Maryland team that they can come in. I think Michael Oxley said earlier, maybe it was Michael Oxley, uh, you know, they're, they're trying to do something special against Ohio State. And look, I think every team should come in with that mentality, frankly. You know, whether it happens or not is a whole different um, different topic. But why not come in believing you can upset the Buckeyes, especially if you come in at five and oh, who cares who you played? I think, you know, you've uh, you've proven yourself to this point. Why not have the emphasis uh, before we go on? I want to talk about one of our partners, AG1, the Daily Foundational Nutritional Supplement that supports whole body health. When do you drink your AG1? What effects have you felt on your body? AG1 is the foundational nutritional supplement that delivers comprehensive nutrients to support whole body health. AG1 is raising the standard for quality in the supplement, supplement category. It replaces your multivitamin, probiotic, and more in one simple drinkable habit, creating a manageable daily habit. 
all great athletes have one thing in common. They take care of their bodies and have a huge, and a huge part of that starts with optimizing whole body health. AG1 is raising the standard for quality in the supplement category. I, uh, I'm still trying to pretend like I'm an athlete. I still, uh, you know, play sports at least a couple times a week, try and hit the gym. AG1 is, uh, something that has been beneficial in that, uh, as I get older, I'm not going to say I'm old yet. I will save, uh, you know, the, the old category for some of our other Bucknuts guys, but I do think that the AG1, one simple drink, easy to do, something that, uh, you know, boosts what you need if you're, if you're trying to stay active, as I just said. Um, if a comprehensive solution is what you need from your supplement routine, then try AG1 and get a free one-year supply of vitamin D and five free AG1 travel packets with your first purchase. Go to drinkag1.com backslash bucknuts. That's drinkag1.com backslash bucknuts. Check it out. All right, let's move on to the Buckeye side of things. We sort of started talking about some of this before Jeff jumped on the podcast. Ohio State, coming out of the bye week, coming out of the off week, the open week, whatever you want to call it. Um, I'm really interested to see how this team handles this because you had this huge win against Notre Dame um, two weeks ago. You, you, On one side, the off week comes at a great time because you get to rest up after a f- tough physical game like that. A guy like Marvin Harrison Jr. gets time to let his ankle heal up if you've missed that. There's a story on Bucknuts right now that Dave Biddle wrote yesterday uh, on Wednesday about, um, about Marvin's ankle. Sounds like it's not the not completely pain free that he's going to be dealing with this throughout the season, but he is of the belief that he can play through it. Played through a similar, though he says this is a bit worse ankle injury last year. So at least he knows kind of how to handle it and uh, you know what he needs to do throughout the week in the games to to be productive. Look, if you can play through an ankle injury last year and put up the numbers he did, I think he'll be just fine this year. And and he looked fine, I thought in the Notre Dame game, as we talked about last week. But anyway, the coming out of the off week, how you handle like the not being able to sustain that momentum of winning at Notre Dame. And I think it can be very beneficial, as I said, to to have this week, to let guys kind of get away from football for a weekend, you know, go home, go see whatever they chose to do with their, their weekend last weekend. Uh, I think it can be very beneficial, but there are a few things I think that need to be built on from that Maryland game or from that Notre Dame game into this Maryland game and going forward, because if you remember correctly from last year, Buckeyes came out of the open week and just were never really the same team. They could never get back what they had rolling. Uh, you know, you look at some of the games and obviously the, the opponents were more difficult. You had to play Penn state at Penn state. You had to go to Maryland who gave you a more tougher game than you expected. And, and obviously the Michigan game, but it just never felt quite right after the open week, which happened right in the middle of the season, as opposed to this one, which happens after week four. Uh, the first thing I think is, is going to be huge is how Kyle McCord builds on that Notre Dame performance. And look, it wasn't perfect for Kyle McCord. He was 21 of 37 for 240 yards. The second time this year, he didn't throw a touchdown pass in a game. Um, neither Justin Fields nor CJ Stroud did that during their careers. 
I'm not saying that as an indictment on Kyle. I'm just saying that as it, it was a, it was a good game. And obviously the plays he made in the fourth quarter on that final drive are something that, that I think can, can help a kid flip a switch. Um, but he needs to build on it. And we talked with Kyle last week. He talked about, you know, that this, this topic of, of kind of not looking at that as I, and I've made it moment because it certainly wasn't that, but you, you need to go out against Maryland and put together a good passing day. Uh, we, you know, we talked with Jeff about uh, Talia Tagovailoa and, and kind of what he can do. If he gets going, you know, Kyle's going to have to, you know, match him. And, and he did outduel Sam Hartman and not that they're going head to head. And I don't think it's necessarily fair to compare quarterbacks in terms of what they did, but you know, a, a young quarterback going 21 of 37 for 240 yards, a veteran going 17 of 25 for 175. He did have a touchdown pass. Um, you know, I think that's, that's a step in the right direction for Kyle. Now come out on Saturday, you're back at home. You're going up against a Maryland defense um, that, that hasn't been overly, impressive against the pass ranked 49th in the country giving up 211.8 yards per game so there should be some opportunities there for Kyle and again I've said it all along I don't think Kyle needs to be CJ Stroud Justin Fields Dwayne Haskins if he is then that's a bonus but if you can just get the ball to these players which is what he's done consistently this season and and it's gotten better every week then you're going to put up good enough numbers and if this defense keeps playing well you can run the ball and I think they need to run the ball better but you can run the ball then then you should be just fine but I do want to see McCord taking steps and I do think that this is a big this this should be this is a big moment for him just you know you've gotten all the hype from what you did on that final drive against Notre Dame everyone watching now go out and, and have, and I, I said this on, on a local radio show this morning, go out and have one of those like really efficient days or, or go out and throw for 300 yards again, which I think would be the second time this season he's done that. Um, you know, what, you know, how can you build on what you've done? And he, he, it was an easy thing to build on some of those first few games because they were against teams that, you know, didn't scare you very much defensively or, um, you know, that, that you should be able to throw the ball on. Now you're getting into the Big Ten, and not that every Big Ten team has great defense, but you're, you're going to have to make some plays in the Big Ten. And, and I think that that's kind of the number one thing that they need to build on coming out of the off week. The second thing, we touched on this a little bit already, they have to continue this defense specifically, and specifically for this game, what, what they've done in the secondary and how they have – uh, you know, kind of handled these opposing pass passing attacks. I read you the numbers earlier, uh, 149 yards per game through the air is what Ohio State's given up, fifth best in the country. I don't know if if those numbers will continue to be quite that low as you get into the Big Ten and, and face teams like a Maryland, you know, Drew Aller and Penn State, uh, some of the teams like that. But you still, you, you have, set a standard now um the you know no one's saying the silver bullets are back quite yet but they're certainly leaning that way we're talking to denzel burke on wednesday night he's certainly a uh, a confident confident guy now you know, he's saying we haven't accomplished anything yet but you can just sense that they believe it like they believe that this group is legitimate 
and that, you know, it's not just, okay, that, that they've played two teams that weren't throwing the ball at all and a Western Kentucky team that really only had one receiver and another Dame team that wanted to run the ball more. No, they think this is a legitimate secondary pass defense um, that, you know, can handle offenses like what they will see on Saturday. So can you build on what you've done thus far? And, and I think the fact that you had this week off to kind of look ahead and, and kind of get some uh, scouting done early on this passing attack is only going to benefit the Buckeyes secondary. Um, and, it, and it, you know, I mentioned the corners. It's not just them. You know, I think the safeties deserve a lot of credit and what they've done. Uh, we talked about Sonny Styles and Jordan Hancock earlier, but Lathan Ransom uh, has played really well. Big 10 defensive player of the week. Last time out against Notre Dame, um, Josh Proctor has had a solid return to the season. And I think most impressively for him is that he's playing, you know, regular football regularly now, which he hasn't really done much in his career. You know, obviously the injury in 2021, uh, this last year getting pulled after the Notre Dame game. Um, so, you know, he's out there and I don't think many people expected that from him. Lathan Ransom, I think looks, you know, like a player who continues to just take stride. So this whole secondary has played well. Um, I do think that the linebackers coming off of a game against Notre Dame, where for whatever reason, they did not have their best game. I'm interested to see just how they back that up. Um, you know, how they bounce back, I guess is a better way to put that. The, you know, and I don't think it was necessarily the play of the linebackers. I think Tommy Eichenberg and Seal Chambers, uh, you know, both very solid. I think you were just playing a, a Notre Dame team that it has a really good offensive line and targeted them, especially on those runs to get downfield. And, you know, so the numbers didn't look great for either of those guys. Um, this isn't going to be an opportunity in this specific game for them to bounce back just because you're playing a team in Maryland who wants to throw the ball around a little bit more. Uh, but I do think, you know, going forward here, we need to see these linebackers, you know, it can't be, it, it has to be more what we've seen in the past than, than what happened against Notre Dame, which I think it will be. I think that was more of a, a one-off and, you know, you're playing some of the best offensive linemen you're going to face this year, but you will face good offensive linemen down the road. Right. So you need to be ready to, to perform better in those situations. Um, and then the other thing I'd like to see coming out of this off week is something different in the run game. And I talked last week, I kind of went on a, a mini rant about how they've used Travion Henderson and, and that I think Chip Tran Trey Annum needs to be more involved in the running game. Just in, you know, I think it needs to be more balanced with their carries. Um, I would just like to see, I would like to see it. I would like to see it work for lack of a better term. Uh, you know, if this passing game isn't going to be as explosive, you need this running game to be a bit better. Um, you know, right now, Ohio State is averaging 149 rushing yards per game. It's tied for 74th in the country. Like, you know, Ohio State's been a big passing team under Ryan Day. I just think that there's more when you have three running backs that are good, could start at every, you know, nearly every school in the country. Um, I, I, I expected more from this group thus far. And look, Trayvon Henderson, big play guy. 
I like that Chip Tranum has come in and, and made an impact and found a groove. I, as I said, I want to see him play more, but you know, how does Mayan Williams fit? Ryan Day on, on his radio show. And then again, in the lightning round talked about, he's had a really good week of practice. They're going to get him more run. Okay. What does that look like? He's really just been in on kind of short yardage goal line situations and, and kind of taking a back seat otherwise. So how do you get these guys involved? And, you know, maybe this isn't the game to do it. You're probably going to have to throw a bit more if Maryland is able to establish their passing attack. But as you get forward, and, you know, I think it's important, Ryan Day talked again on, um, I forget if it was the radio show or the lightning round, but just like in the Big Ten, you've got to be ready for these weather games and things like that. That's when you're going to need these guys. And I think there just needs to be a bit more out of them so that you know you can rely on this. And I'm surprised they haven't, frankly. This is a team I thought that would be a bit more run heavy early in the season as you kind of found your um, your rhythm passing the ball and, and things like that. So we we shall see. And then the final thing, and I've seen a couple people in the comments bring it up, the pass rush. And I, again, I said I started with that earlier on before Jeff came on. It's such a weird thing because you, know, you talk to Jim Knowles you talk to some of these defensive coaches and they're like, yeah, sacks don't, don't mean everything and whatnot. And I, there's definitely some truth to that. There have been teams. There are currently teams in college football. I pointed a couple out in something I wrote the other day that put up a lot of sacks and it doesn't necessarily lead to a high level of production, both wins, losses and statistically just because you're getting sacks doesn't mean Everything else is working. It helps. It certainly helps the back end. Obviously, that means the quarterback's not throwing the ball and, and you're not moving the ball downfield, but um, it doesn't necessarily lead to more overall productions, wins, losses. And that's kind of what the coaching staff said. But on the flip side, you got two five-star defensive ends out there. You've got two more four-star guys that were supposed to be in the rotation and haven't played a ton. Uh, now, against Notre Dame, Ryan Day said that, you know, there was only, I think, eight possessions and I think less than 60 snaps on the defensive side, so they felt fine keeping JT Tumalau and Jack Sawyer out there for every snap. And, look, JT Tumalau makes two plays on the uh, second-to-last Notre Dame offensive drive, gets the ball back for the offense. So, like, it worked, um, but just, I don't know. I expected more from these guys. I think that they have more that they can give. You know, I, I it, the fact that neither of them have a sack at this point is just disappointing. Uh, you know, Jim Knowles can say all he wants that they are doing their job, and I believe him. I think they are doing their job. But I think part of that job is getting to the quarterback when you need him to. And, you know, I thought maybe it would happen against Notre Dame. You had some opportunities against Western Kentucky. It just, you know, you need to see this. And I know it's been a focus for this team to, to continue to get pressure on the quarter quarterback. Um, and they, they have pressured well. You look at the, the numbers behind it. I don't have them pulled up here. I think I talked about them last week. But they, they you just, you'd like to see a bit more when you recruit talent at the level Ohio State has. Um, you know, I mean, let's just pull it up here. Let's, let's pull up the sack numbers of the, the top teams in the country right now and kind of where they are in comparison to Ohio state. So Georgia is Georgia has Georgia has eight sacks on the year. 
which is tied for 98th in the country. Ohio State, for the record, five for 126. Michigan, they have 13 sacks this season. Now, do take into account that Michigan, until I think last week when they played at Nebraska, really hadn't played anybody. Uh, and if you count Nebraska, so they have 13 sacks tied for 35, 35th, excuse me, in the country. Um, you've got, I'm just kind of looking at the rankings here. Texas, who is the number three team in the AP poll, has 13 sacks, 35th in the country. So I think what you're seeing here is a wide range, right? Like you don't have to be great at it. Um, you know, Florida State. 62 in the country, 11 sacks. I just think you need to be more productive than Ohio State's been given the talent that you have. Um, I mean, you know, even a team, you know, a team like Alabama, who has not been great this year, not largely has to do with the quarterback, 17 sacks, ninth, tied for ninth in the country. So I think there's certainly room to grow here. Uh, and you hope as a Buckeye fan that they do grow and that these players are able to, you know, look, I don't need JT to allow to end the season with 15 sacks. You know, I just don't think that's going to happen, especially not now, but if he can make some of those plays that he made like against Notre Dame, knocking down the pass, getting the tackle for a loss, uh, but then also contribute six ish sacks throughout the season. I think that's a really good season because he's not just a pure pass rusher, Jack Sawyer, not, you know, same thing. So, uh, I don't know. I've harped on this long enough. I think this is going to be a really interesting game. Um, I think it's closer than people expect, at least the odds makers expect. Uh, maybe Ohio State pulls away towards the end. Um, I'm still waiting to see this offense really click into gear. I think it's going to have to do that here in the Big Ten and, and maybe in this game. Um, obviously, I've talked about the defense and what they want, what they need to do in this game. Um but I think that we're in for a fun one on Saturday, high noon at the horseshoe. Um, let's get to this final segment of what you will be reading Sunday morning, kind of what the headline will be. I'm going to be uh, a bit bolder than I probably have been in, in the last few weeks. I'm going to say something along the lines of Buckeye secondary shuts down high-flying Maryland passing attack, or Buckeye secondary shuts down Talia Tagvailoa Maryland passing attack. I think the secondary is legitimate. I think they will, you know, it's not going to be, I mean, it, Maryland's going to pass the ball some, obviously, but I think they can continue the trend that they've done and hold, um, hold Talia to, you know, his, his worst passing day of the season, which is, pulling it up here his least his fewest passing yards were 223 against Michigan State he also threw three touchdowns and an interception in that game completed 58.3 percent of his passes so there's the line can you beat that as Ohio State's defense I think they can and I think that's what you're going to be reading about Sunday morning I think the Buckeye defense will will be a big factor in this game and we're going to be talking about them quite a bit throughout the rest of the year because of it you know I, I i didn't know if i believe the defense coming into the season when they said you know they're going to win games this year but i i watching it now i think that could be a real thing and i think it could be a thing on saturday all right we're going to get out of here 
Thanks to Jeff Ernman from Inside MD Sports, our 24-7 Sports Maryland site. Again, check them out. We've got plenty of stuff on Bucknuts throughout the week. I mentioned some of the stories earlier, but check those out. If you are not a subscriber at this point, there is a promo. It is on the front page of Bucknuts as we speak. The deal ends Thursday night. We're recording this on Thursday. You get 30% off an annual Bucknut subscription or two months free. Two months gets you through the rest of the football season, basically. So um, if you're not already a Bucknut subscriber, you've thought about checking it out. Now is the time to do that. Thanks again to AG1, the uh, daily nutritional supplement for uh, helping us make this thing happen. Uh, please like, subscribe, all that good stuff on wherever you watch this, listen to this, everything like that. Um going to be a fun one like i said i think saturday is going to be an interesting game we'll have our predictions out on friday but i will be predicting a buckeye win maybe not by as much as some people hope but a buckeye win anyway thanks for everyone who tuned in live thanks for those of you who listen to the podcast version this is another episode of the Bucknuts happy hour i am patrick murphy with Bucknuts and 24 7 sports have a good weekend and cheers buckeye fans